What's up, pals? Thanks for tuning in. This is episode 44 of Super Nerd Pals, also known as the Super Nerd Awards 2015. It's our award show. It's our award show. That means we almost made it a whole year and we didn't quit. At least not yet. I'm Stan Gadurski sitting right next to me, Andy Karasquil. Yo! And my motherfucker right over there, Chris Sampson. Yeah! (laughs) I'm a little excited because it's the award show. Hell yeah, dude. I mean... Less than a year ago, we did our first like kind of bullshit game of the year. Yeah, but we didn't have like a the, yeah. I know. Now we've grown there's no, so much. This and, is a great deal more pomp and circumstance than our little like two two minute topic at the end of like, like one of the, <laughs> the by first the way, month. By the way, motherfucking game of the year. <laughs> hey, what's your game of the year? Oh, this is mine. This is a three DS game. No, no, we have rules. And we have categories for you, and we got together. And we have Thunderdome. We, we have, have Thunderdome. Thunder it's going to be the three of us in this booth debating these topics until we have winners for each category. We have nine categories. We came together the other day, and we compared notes. We nominated our um, our what who we want to win for each specific category. And we compiled the master list, and we had the list in front of us. We did our homework, and we're going to sit here, and we're going to go through each topic, each category, and we're going to pick a winner for each one, and we aren't finishing until it's done. And that'll be really interesting once we get to the game of the year, because we have a shitload of those, and we will talk about that when we get there. I want to conserve my energy first. I don't, <laughs> I, I don't want to get into it yet because we will need all the energy we can get. Also, we've structured this list so that right before the game of the year, um, the category right before it will fire us up so that we get... We'll get into- our blood boiling. We'll just get mad or get raged. Yeah. It'll be good. And so once we get to each category, I will read the nominees. But to start off, I'm going to read each category that we have today. So we have best moment. We're not. This is not any particular order. Do we have a particular order? Uh, we do have. A we did some kind of homework. We didn't do all homework. We okay? have a particular order. Um, it's going to be best anime of the year, followed by best new character. Wait, I'm the one reading it. Go for it. Damn. Then read it. Yeah. I'm the host. <laughs> all right. Shit. Stand the I'm host read with it. the most. I'm going to read it in the order that I feel most comfortable reading it in. Okay. So, best anime of the year. Is one category. Then we have best moment. Then we have movie of the year. TV of the year. Comic of the year. Best new character. Best old game. Which is um, not necessarily an old game. But a game that isn't as fresh as this year. Because if it was good and it came out this year. It should be on our game of the year list. But yeah, anyway. Then we have hot mess award. Which should be interesting. And then we finish off with Game of the Year. And once we get to each topic, I will give you a little bit more information about those categories. So, the first category is Anime of the Year. And we decided to start with that because that was the only topic on our list, the only category on our list, rather, that has a unanimous winner. So we figured we get that out of the way. We keep going. So, Chris... 
and it's it's only right because this anime of the the fall 2015 of the season, year, Chris, it, of the year, of the year, of the year. <laughs> it's no contest. It's One Punch Man. Woo! And if you haven't Hell heard of yeah. this, if you haven't heard of this. Just like I, I mean, just just go watch it. You can find it on Hulu Plus. And if you're you know, if you don't, if you're one of those who streams illegally, I guess you can do it. But I don't, I mean, I don't, I can't stop you. But support the anime, you know, give them your dollars. So, One Punch Man, uh, it's based on a Japanese webcomic uh, by a, a creator who operates under the pseudonym One. So this webcomic started in 2009. Uh, it went viral. And then years later... The manga has been redrawn, and the, the artist for that is the renowned Yosuke Morata. And that's been publishing since 2012. And in the last few months, Viz Media has been published them in English. It's amazing. But we're here to talk about the anime. And there's just so many fantastic things to rave about the anime. He punches the guys, he punches the guys, they explode. It's it's totally amazing, but it's just it's more than action. Um, for for one, you don't re- need to read the manga to know what's going on. But like, if you read if you do read it, so many of the of the anime choreography and the screenshots they're like frame fra- frame by frame pull from the manga, and it's so beautiful and it's so great to see it in fluid motion and with color, and they're really vibrant and and the amazing ass opening, exactly. <laughs> It's just, it's just this crazy Japanese power metal, and it's just, and it's just like, and the like explosions are everywhere. And One Punch Man is just going through a montage of just punching people in the face, and they're exploding. It's, uh, and then you, and you also get glimpses of the Hero Society. The rest of the cast is just as weird and bizarre as Saitama, our main hero, and that's what makes it all the more better. Even all of the regular, all of the regular heroes are like. I don't know. They're like stupid, but not stupid. Like, um, the, oh my God, what's his name? The bicycle? Moomin Rider? Yeah, Moomin Rider. Moomin Rider's great. Like, Moomin Rider, I mean, that's another thing about this anime that is really great. They do a lot of references. So, like, in the first chapter, the main villain was Vaccine Man, and it was basically a purple piccolo. <laughs> And then, like the second or third chapter, they have like a, a joke or a nod to the Colossal Titan from Attack on Titan, and Moomin Rider. He's clearly uh, a reference to Common Rider you know, of Super Sentai fame. So, what's great about this this anime? Like the first couple episodes, they follow like a sort of villain of the week format, just to get you into the the mindset and to get to see what it's all about. And so it's about Saitama, who's this Japanese salaryman who three years ago, he all of a sudden decided to stop working and just become a hero for hire or a hero for fun. I'm sorry. He wanted to become a hero for fun. And then now he's just totally OP, super strong, amazing hero that can literally destroy any monster with, 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 with a single punch. Listen, this dude is living the fucking life. All he does is sit home all day, watch the news. If some shit goes off, he's like, well, all right, I guess I'm going to do that. 
So the good part about One Punch Man is that it takes the the trope of the strongest fighter where you're constantly training and fighting new enemies over and over again. And it like subverts it because Saitama starts the most powerful person like in the, in the world. So that's, it's interesting because it, it does things that you're not expecting it to do. And it completely just defies your expectations of what a, a standard like shonen type of anime is supposed to be. And that's why it wins. And so that's our first winner. One punch man. Checking yeah. it off the list. Yeah. And one more, one more note. It's also surprisingly philosophical. It goes a lot to concepts of what it means to be a hero. And it's a really interesting back and forth dialogue. So look out for that when you watch it. Yes. One Punch Man, Super Nerd Pals, Anime of the Year 2015. Check it out. Okay. Next, let's do Best Moment. Sound good? Hell yeah. Sounds right. good. I will read our nominees for Best Moment. Best moment. Um, we each picked one. I'm not going to say who picked what because it's now a masterless. So I'll just read the nominees. First nominee, Nightfall ending, Arkham Knight. That's the one where he, you know, the ending. The, it's spoilers. Um, I think that goes without saying. This whole episode is going to be a spoiler of everything because <laughs> we have you can't you can't avoid it. You can't pick a best whatever without. Talking about it in Well, full. just in general. Like, we're going to talk about all these different comics and movies and stuff. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. You can't... We can't have this discussion if we don't know everything. Yep. So, much. Nightfall Ending, Arkham Knight. One Punch Man's Crab Guy. So, I'm assuming episode one. Yeah, episode one. Okay. More or less like the origin story of uh, Saitama, how he became a hero. And then, to round off the list, the opening sequence in Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom Pain. The whole... Waking up out of the coma, listening to that David Bowie cover, Man Who Sold the World, and then the whole hospital escape into just all the chaos that leads you into Afghanistan. That whole that whole area. So, okay, who wants to start? Who wants to argue their moment? I guess I'll start. So, mine was the, uh, the crab guy from One Punch Man. Mm-hmm. And... Dude, I mean, usually heroes go through some, like, sentimental shit on why they want to be a hero. And I don't know. Saitama just, like, saw this fucking crab dude and was like, bruh, I ain't afraid of you. I ain't afraid to die because I failed this job interview. I didn't get hired. Fuck life. And then well, he runs- also, the, the crab monster was about to kill a little kid. Well, well I was going to get into that, Chris. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Okay, I'm so excited. This, Conserve run, your energy, people. He runs this into this crab run. guy again. And this time when he runs into the crab guy, like Chris said, he's going to kill a little kid. And Saitama's like, whoa, I ain't standing for that shit. You could kill me, but not no little kid. So then uh, this crab guy explains that the only reason he wants to kill this kid is because while he took a nap on a bench, I don't know why, this little kid drew nipples on him and Saitama gets his ass whooped and then Saitama beats him in the most brutal fucking way, takes his tie and wraps it around his eye and like pulls his fucking guts out his head. That shit was epic. So savage. And this is before Saitama becomes the strongest man alive. 
Yeah, this is when Saitama had hair. <laughs> this is before he trained so hard he went bald. So I uh, now I'll agree that is an awesome moment, but is it the most awesomest moment of the year? Oh, hell yeah. Stan, what oh. would you do if like a giant crab monster was out of nowhere and, and he wanted to kill like Andy or some little kid? Fuck, I'd get on a bus. <laughs> I'd get the fuck out of there. I guess I know where we stand. All right, so, well, so <sighs> Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom Pain has the best opening in a video game that I've ever seen and I've ever played. It it has it had hits all those moments. It picks up right from where well I guess not right from but like next moment of Snake's life following the events of Ground Zeroes. He wakes up hospital bed coma for nine years. You know you it gives you a good sense of time with the opening music the um man who sold the world which was a, which is a great cover. I thought it was actually Bowie. It was so good but it's not. Well, he doesn't show up in the game at all, which is interesting. Even though Diamond Dogs is named after one of his songs. That's so sort of. sad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're in the hospital bed. There's this whole sequence where you have to create a, a fake face. And, you know, you get all these crazy things going on in the hospital. There's, you know, soldiers are running in and gunning down all these patients. And you're trying to escape and survive. There's, you know, you get to see Quiet in the beginning. You get to see... The little kid in the the gas mask, who I'm assuming is Psychomantis. You get to see the Burning Man. There's just so much shit going on, and that was like one of the only moments I was playing a Metal Gear game, in at least to to begin with, where I was actually like tense. I was very tense. I was very like almost like afraid, like I was playing a survival horror game where I just did not want to get seen. Usually when I play Metal Gear Solid, it's I don't want to get seen because I don't want it to fuck up my score or I don't want to like get any damage done. And this one is like I, I actually actively wanted to hide from the soldiers. Kind of the same way as the alien in Alien Isolation. Just you, just you just want to hide and you want to get out of there. Now, granted, going back to it, it loses some of its whatever because you experience most of the game and whatever. But that's not the point. The point is the first time you see it. You know, it's, it's just it's powerful. It sets up the story really well. There's a lot of awesome character moments. You know, Ocelot's introduction is really cool where he saves you on the horse and you're running through the forest. The fucking ambulance that you escape on crashes and there's like pill bottles and shit and you're crawling through the dirt and there's just like a guy on a fucking fire horse chasing you. It's it's crazy. The fucking whale made a fire in the sky. What the <laughs> hell is going on? Anyway, that should, that's why, that's why that shit should be moment of the year because it's a fucking fire whale <laughs> just the fire whale not the the 20 other batch of fire crazy whale alone fuck everything else fire whale. moment of the year but then you you take into account everything else that happens and it's just like boom and then later in the game later in the game you revisit that scene in a different context and it just turns everything on on its head and so it it's like twice you're going back to seeing it and both times it's crazy for different reasons but do you see the fireware both times son yeah of course you do man it's fucking fire 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 whale (laughs) can we incorporate the fire whale into our logo design that'd be great (laughs) (laughs) all right well uh stan just gave us a uh a nice soliloquy about uh metal gear solid uh my 
moment was the Nightfall ending from Batman Arkham Knight. Uh, in order to unlock this, you have to complete the game on 100%, and it provides an extended cliffhanger what-the-fuck moment after the, after the events of the game. So, for quick reference, Bruce Wayne's identity as Batman has been revealed to the entirety of like the world in Gotham City. And Bruce Wayne flies back home to Wayne Manor on his bad chat. There's like a horde of reporters uh, everywhere storming, storming the gates trying to get a word. Uh, Batman tells Alfred to initiate the Nightfall Protocol. And then Wayne Manor starts blowing up and cr- collapsing to, into rubble. And then later, uh, we cut to a robbery or mugging in an alley with two criminals... And it's sort of like calling back to like the or recalling the crime alley Bruce Wayne scenario with his parents, uh, but then in the distance the two criminals look up on top of a building and they see this Batman wreathed in like this shadowy wisp vapor and they're like we're not afraid of you we know you're you you're you're we're not afraid of Batman but then this new Batman starts rising from the ground and flips open his wings and like there's like this burning hellish aura around him and there's like bats flying out of anywhere and he this batman like flies straight at the screen and cuts the black uh so it's it's there's a lot of speculation of what's going on it just makes you makes you think like what the hell is this is this a new batman is this bruce wayne is this bruce wayne using scarecrow's fear toxin or it, or you could go really off the wall with theories like, oh my gosh, is it Damian Wayne who made a deal with the devil and now is that Batman? But it was just provided this really cool ending that just spins out mythos. And it's like it's, it's an ending that keep makes you want more and it and makes you talk to talk to your friends who devoted that much or or love Batman that much and just just spin theories all the time. Like what what could this be? And is it going to be in a sequel or, or and you just try to pick out clues and it was just, and it's just the visuals like, whoa, it just blew my mind. And, you know, I wish, I wish that nightmare Batman could be a playable skin in the game, but probably not. But I, when I first saw that, I was, I just lost my shit. Cause I, if there's anything more badass than regular Batman, it's like demonic hell, hellish Batman. Chris, let me play devil's advocate for one quick second and tell you that the Nightfall ending was actually garbage. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it was a crap ending. Oh, no. And I I posit that the original ending of Arkham Knight was much better. The Scarecrow ending. Before you have to do all the, the whole nonsense to get the 100% and see that ending. The whole wrap-up with Barbara and Jim and Bruce and Alfred. Not the explosion, because the explosion is part of the problem. Everything up until that point is a really nice ending. So none, none, none of the Nightfall protocol. I'm talking strictly the end of the Scarecrow. So let me just say, I 100% agree with Stan. Yeah, it is. Oh, no. like, all right. So like, I get what you're saying. And it's kind of kind of a cool visual to see like the demon Batman or whatever. But it kind of doesn't make any sense. When, you, um, when you're looking at it as a trilogy... So it doesn't is... make sense with the narrative arc of the of the, all the other Listen, Arkham games. To me, that ending was I would have felt more satisfied if that was the the quote unquote ending, and the Nightfall Protocol was the Scarecrow ending. Like, 
I would have felt like achieved unlocking that. It's just but like, the fact that I went through like forty hours to hundred percent this fucking game to get the nightfall ending, which well the perfect nightfall ending, which is essentially ten more seconds longer than the regular nightfall ending. Kind which of is also garbage. Yeah. It's, so which is it's everything just, it's just, minus it's not worth the, the effort battle. of like the forty hours of content just to get like uh, uh like a fifteen twenty second reel of extra footage. I mean, it's not even that because the Arkham trilogy for me is um, Batman, Bruce Wayne, and his arc, and the whole idea that he's reaching this point where he is like distancing himself from all of his partners and stuff. And the- I feel like. I feel like as the Arkham trilogy goes on, obviously we're not counting origins here. Um, as the Arkham trilogy goes on, like you kind of see Bruce distancing himself from everyone. And in this game, just shows that like Bruce cuts off everybody. Yeah, and so the whole Nightmare Bat is like a cool visual, but it doesn't make sense thematically. The, the, the theme for, for Arkham Knight is the whole separation of Bruce Wayne from the people around him. And that concludes i feel really nicely with the whole everyone knows he's batman and he only has x amount of time before he can tie up his loose ends and move on and yeah so i don't know i like if you had argued for the original ending and not the nightfall ending i might this might be a harder debate (laughs) but honestly Uh, like i don't know about that I don't know about Arkham Knight, Nightfall ending, and I definitely don't know about No Crab Guy, <laughs> which is a funny <laughs> scene and a kind of a cool fight. But that, but... that was the moment. That was the yeah, moment, the like funny the moment where moment Saitama, Saitama becomes a hero. Like, and yeah, it, but just, a... it just goes to show you, like, where he was before to where he is now. Okay, but like it's a it's kind of a crap moment though because it's like oh um, I'm going for the jugular today. <laughs> I've come out fighting, but um, you get the fact that fucking Saitama's motivation for it is essentially nothing. He wants to do it because he he doesn't like his life. It's he he finds more excitement in being the hero type, which is fine and it's funny, but it's not very well. Think about it. Before the little kid was a factor into it, Satama didn't care whether he lived or died. Satama didn't give a fuck. But it was saving this kid that gave Saitama the purpose to live. Alright. So- and 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 like in that fight he re- he realized his own weaknesses and then that caused him to be like, well, I as a hero, as to be a, a more to be a better and more proper and more equipped hero, I gotta train like hell. I gotta be the best I can be. So he's like a, a symbol or a model for like self-actualization and, right, and so, fulfilling your potential. Okay, well, be that as it may, it doesn't match up to the fact that you wake up in a hospital bed, nine years have passed, all your men are dead, you're missing an arm, you have a piece of shrapnel in your head, and all that's on your mind is revenge and getting Kazuhira back. And finding the men who did this to your people, your men and yourself, and killing everybody and building up a new mother base. There is no stronger motivation than your opening moment in Metal Gear Solid Five, Because you wake up and you're just a bat out of hell. You're like, I'm going to get out of this hospital and I'm going to fucking find these people and I'm going to take them to fucking task for what they did. And that's the whole inciting incident for the whole game is just revenge. Or at least, you know, better part of the game. The whole chapter one, which is a much more powerful, like 
thing to experience than than this scene which i i'm not telling i'm not saying it's a bad scene i fucking love one punch man at one anime of the year but i'm saying it doesn't compare to that opening scene in metal gear solid 5 and then seeing what big boss's motivations are for the rest of the game <laughs> I told you. I came here clearly, late. I came clearly. Here Stan just won that, so he <laughs> shot he me. He shot me and Chris up. Hey, I guess. and this is only like topic two, and <laughs> we have like eight, nine topics to go. Listen, we we advertise Thunderdome, and that's what we're gonna do yeah. now. Like, all right, all right. So, Stan, I got Stan. I'll give it to you just because of the fire whale. You didn't have to say anything else. <laughs> all right. So then I'm calling it. Best moment, 2015, Metal Gear Solid 5's opening sequence. All right. Which ones do you guys want to do next? Uh, let's go for best comic of the year. All right. All right. Best comic of the year. So comic of the year, the nominees are Thor's, the, the Secret Wars mini, where all the Thor's are essentially police officers policing uh battle world um we are robin which is um all the robins are policing gotham (laughs) (laughs) and then we have uh spider gwen which came from a crossover in which the spider characters policed the uh multiverse (laughs) so (laughs) a lot of policing going on Uh, a lot of policing and and uh web warriors is essentially is not part of this but web warriors is kind of feels like thor's just as a sidebar to this conversation web warriors is is thor's with with spider characters but anyway i just wanted to put that put that out there because it just occurred to me anyway so thor's we are robin spider gwen comic of the year 2015 i could start uh, all right chris okay so for a bit of context let's 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 do something different okay let's let's flip the script instead of you telling me what you think like arguing for what you think best comic of the years why don't you argue a good point that um for one of the other nominees getting knocked off the list give me a good argument for why we are robin or spider gwen should get knocked off the list instead of telling me why thor's because i know you like thor's so that's a given give me the opposite oh See, this is not this is bad for me because like I I only read like a couple issues of We Are Robin. I haven't read any of Spider Gwen. <laughs> so well, well, that's that's its own thing. Why why didn't neither comic appeal to you enough to want to read it? And why does that tie into why you like Thor so much? See, I'm getting fucking fucking like academic on you. Oh no, man, Stan, you fucking like getting philosophical on people and shit. <laughs> you guys, you guys had to come ready, man. Stan needs to be ready. a therapist. I came ready. Come on, come on, Chris. Lay it um, down. Lay it on the I wall. I guess. I mean, this is a bit you of a just, cop out, but like, I just, just dropped out of Rear Robin because there was just other books I was caught up with, like Secret Wars, and like I think that at the time, at the time was like Thor's, Old Man Logan, Ghost Racers. I don't know. So I guess I was leaning more towards the Marvel side because Secret Wars was like a, was an all spanning event and. I just love the idea of like all these alternate worlds and depictions and radical um, reimaginings of all these classic Marvel heroes. And so, so, so what you're saying, Chris, is you dropped We Are Robin because of DC. <laughs> uh, so no, well, the, Chris, 
Chris, exactly why? What what was stopping you from enjoying We Are Robins enough to want to dr- to drop it entirely? Because this is ultimately the reason why you're getting We Are Robin off the list, or why you want to argue for it to get off the list. So what what about it didn't cook you enough? Was it the writing? Was it the art? Was it the premise? I don't. I love the premise. I mean, I, I'm arguing against myself, but I, I love the fact that you know, it's just like there's a bunch. It's basically like. Chris, you're too nice. You I am. Fighting. This is horrible. Gonna, Chris, we just had this conversation before. I know. You gotta pull out your your fucking Pikmin's knife and just go for right right for Andy's throat. Just he's wearing a fucking Robin shirt. It's, <laughs> uh, uh, it's not a Robin. Shirt. No, it's Red Hood, man. It's Red Hood. It's Red Hood symbol. That looks so close to fucking. It looks like a mix between. I mean, Night- he's a fucking <clears throat> Robin, so it looks. Like a mix between Nightwing and Dark Knight Returns Batman symbol. Kind of also reminds me of the um, um, Batman Beyond symbol. You're right. Yeah, You're true, right. true. Anyway, Chris, you're nominating We Are Robin off the list. Do you have a rebuttal? Yeah. Mr. Andy? Hell yeah. <laughs> Do you have something you want to knock off the list? <laughs> huh? I'm like, well, this is going, I'm, like, I'm like, this I'm, seems mean because I'm like inciting. It these. seems like Stan is mediating because I think he already knows that I'm going for Thor's because I fucking read Spider Man. I'm, like, I'm like in the corner, like rubbing my hands together, <laughs> like good, good. I'm like the devil on your shoulders. Just You're like, fucking no, no. Like, Stan is Loki Do right it. now. Stan is just, he's just put, pitting us against each other, and he's just like he's the Stan. Stan is like Vegas. Listen, the house always wins. So the. So the thing I didn't like about Thors is it didn't follow a particular Thor. It followed multiple Thors. As I know We Are Robin follows multiple Robins, but 90% of the time it's on a base Robin. So it's on the the one steady character. So, so it I, makes I more sense. Dis- I have to disagree with you because the, the base character for Thors was Ultimate Thor. He's essentially the main character of the of the mini. I don't know. I feel like every time I heard you guys talk about it, it was always like jumping from fucking Jane Foster to to these Thors to like. But I mean, Stan is right. Like Ultimate Thor is the main. uh, I'll I'll give you that. All right, so there you go. Ultimate Thor is not the best. Even that, the main the main character is like not even the best of the Thors. Who's the main character in Hot Fuzz? What's his name? Uh. You mean the cop, Edgar, the Edgar, cop? or Simon Pegg and Nick Frost? Yeah, his character. Oh, uh, Sergeant Angel. Angel. Yeah. So Ultimate Thor is essentially Sergeant Angel of the Thors, and he's just he's just a super cop. He gets all the he gets all the crimes. He solves everything. So that in itself makes him kind of like a not interesting lead for me personally. I would have liked to see Jane Foster, but I'm I'm a little biased. Yeah, and with Jane Foster, um, they they basically fridged her multiple times. But there's oh, yeah. there's also so many different Thors that you could have gone for as the main Thor. You could have you could have done, I don't know, just somebody who's not Ultimate Thor. Like I get it because he's he's Ultimate Thor, and it's um it's a murder mystery kind of thing, and you need to follow somebody. And so he he's as good a Thor as any. I you can't really. I don't think you could base a, a Thor's around Groot Thor. You know, like I don't think that's possible. I think you should. Um, I think. I think what's it, how do you pronounce that? Throot? 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 I don't know. Throot. Throot. <laughs> you could have like so the thing is is that so my point is that it was a missed opportunity not to highlight a lesser known Thor 
someone who might have who might be just as interesting as Ultimate Thor because it ended up being Ultimate Thor teams up with Unworthy Thor and then Jane Foster Thor pops in at the end to like mix things up. And so that's kind of your core Thors and I, I get that but I would have liked to see a little variation. That being said, I really like the um, the murder mystery angle and I like the idea of them as cops. I just didn't vibe so well Ultimate Thor as the main person. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah I know what you're saying. Now, on the other hand, we're Robin. I don't have any interest in... <laughs> Why don't you have any interest in We Are Robin? Because I'm not... I don't think I'm just a big fan of of the Robins. So even even though like you're general. not a big fan of the Robins, the thing with We Are Robin is, which is funny enough to say, they kind of work like a fucking gang. Yeah, I didn't like nothing about that. And I kind of like that aspect because cause there's also that, like, there's someone in the shadows pulling the string, and then, long behold, you find out it's Alfred. Yeah, so I don't know. Like, it just, the whole I- idea that they're a gang and just never, if they were like an organized, I don't know why I prefer this, an organized force of Robins that are like Robin cops. I'm just very into the You're idea right? of like, because I really like the Green Lantern Corps and I really like the Red Lantern Corps, how they're like space cops. And he really likes the Thor Corps. Because they're like planet cops. And then I like the Web Warriors because they're like multiverse cops. I just like this whole. Cops. I don't know, like, not necessarily just the idea that there's these teammates and they get together or they have, like, this force together. And they're not just, like, this whole, like, ragtag group of, like, of people that I, I only minorly care about. Like, I I think I think my favorite Robin is, like, Damien. And I, I like Dick, too, but, like, you know what? He He's, like, such a shitty, like, boyfriend to Barbara that I just, like, I have, like, an issue. I have, like, a fundamental issue with, with the way Dick, like, handles Because Dick Grayson is Drake, as we, as we uh, yeah. mentioned before. Like, he, I have just a very, I guess it's my bias, but you know what? This whole thing is, like, biased, so whatever the fuck. It's, it's, it's as subjective as you can get. So, you know, like, Dick is never interested. I'm not going to say, I'm not saying it. Never, but like I kind of like I lean more towards Barbara in the Bat Family as my like go to character. And so to see Nightwing kinda of like be kind of a little shitty and like not around enough for I mean, Barbara that I'm I mean kind of like, what do you expect? He was like fucking raised by Bruce. I guess. And then like Jason Todd's kinda of like he's he's a crybaby. I just <laughs> I just like how brutal Jason can and, be. And Tim Drake is like nobody. Like nobody really cares about Tim Drake. What are you talking about? Tim, I mean, Tim Drake, Drake is also the fucking world's greatest <laughs> no, detective man. right fucking now. Fucking even Damian Wayne shits on, on Tim Drake. It's like Damian Wayne said, he's a dick. Damian Wayne, I mean, he's the son That's of Batman. Like but he's like he's also like a like a entitled mm. spoiled brat. Let's get on this. And who does Damien respect? The most Dick, and that's why exactly. I'm telling you, boom. I, I only like it when it's Dick and Damien together as a unit. When they're together, especially in Batman and Robin, that was like some of my favorite Batman comics. Yeah, that was like the greatest tag team ever. That was Robin tagging with Robin. So when you separate yeah, them, Grant it's Morrison. like okay, nah, hell yeah. Because nah, 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 nah. when they're together, Dick's not being like a dick. He's being like an older brother figure, and he's being like he has like the weight of Gotham on his shoulders, so he takes a little responsibility for his actions. He's not all fucking sh- swashbuckling over wherever the fuck he wants to go, leaving fucking Barbara by herself. Got to find a new man. I mean, listen, 
Me snapping my fingers. <laughs> All right. No, you know what? Wrap this up because we can't sit here for an hour arguing about Robins. This is about the comics. So give me your give me your thoughts and then we'll, we'll, we'll like move on. I gave you my thoughts. Oh, I don't like the concept <laughs> of Thor's. I don't like, I don't know. I just, it doesn't appeal to me. I can't can't do it. So you know what I'm hearing? I'm hearing nobody saying anything negative towards Spider-Gwen. Well, you, you haven't even gave your argument about Spider-Gwen. Because I don't have to. That, no! This, this whole year has been my testament to Spider-Gwen. Well, give it, wrap it up, man. Alright, so Spider-Gwen is awesome. Spider-Gwen is awesome because... Love she, reasons. Yeah, there's a lot of reasons. The idea that she got bit by a spider instead of Peter is really cool. The fact that Peter essentially became a supervillain, he became the lizard because of that. You know, he never got the confidence that he needed as Spider-Man. And so he kind of like, <clears throat> like succumbed to the pressures of high school life and turned into the lizard to emulate Spider-Gwen, Spider-Woman in their uh, universe. I think it's Earth-65. I could be mistaken. But everything in Spider-Gwen is a little off center compared to the normal 616 universe. Um, Spider-Gwen is the Spider-Woman. There's no Spider-Man in that universe. She's the main character. Um, Matt Murdock is um, quote unquote, the Kingpin, the Kingpin of crime while Kingpin is in prison. He's kind of running the operation. So he's like the main supervillain, almost like low key. He's not actually out there. He's kind of in the background, but he's, he's pulling the strings a lot as, as, Matt Murdock, you don't see him as Daredevil, at least not in this point. Um, Captain America is, um, I'm, the name escapes me, but she's an African-American woman from the 40s who went under, went under the super soldier serum when um, Steve Rogers got shot. Like there's like this whole thing where he got shot, she became Captain America instead. And I think, um, what's, what's her name? Um what's the woman's name that Peggy Carter. So Peggy Carter looks to be like in this universe, more of a Nick Fury character. Like she becomes like director of shield almost. And then you have Captain America not being Steve Rogers and then getting frozen in ice. And I don't know. It's just, it's just interesting to see all these different changes. It feels like everything is slightly shifted to the left with all these characters. And then you have a lot of like humor in just like the bodega bandit and just like a lot of wacky things going on there. And the fact that Gwen is a dimension hopper now after Spider-Verse, she's got a little wristband in the latest issue of Spider-Gwen. She actually pops over to 616 to get some advice from the Spider-Woman of that uh, universe of the main universe um, who's pregnant, which is, which is interesting. And there's, there's just, a, there's a lot of good shit going on. And they recently introduced Harry Osborn who, who wants to, take revenge on on Spider-Woman, Spider-Gwen, for Peter, because you find out that all three of them were friends. I don't know, it's just interesting, and it's interesting to see how they're going to do the goblin thing with Gwen, because, you know, they even, she brings it up, because she knows that the Gwen Stacy of 616 got was, murdered by yeah, the by goblin. goblin, so she knows that, and so she's kind of, like, a little tipped off of these events and how things are different in her universe. So it's just, it's just interesting to see all these different instances um i like robbie rodriguez i think he's an okay artist but he's not my favorite artist he's i like him more than 
Humberto Ramos. <laughs> but I have some issues with certain panels, certain covers. But he's he's pretty he's he's all right. Like I I don't mind him. I know he did Edge Spider Verse. So he he him and Jason Latour have to sort of like not have to, but you know they they are best suited to continue the Spider Gwen story because they kind of came up with it. So I I accept the art and I think it's I think it's good. Sometimes it's really good. Something I, sometimes I enjoy it. Sometimes it doesn't really click with me. That's the only bad thing I can say about Spider Gwen is the art is some kind. Sometimes you know, I ro- I love you, Robbie, if you're listening. But you know, like, so, like you, you're, you're great. It's fine. Don't worry about it. It's just not my favorite. Sometimes. I know what you mean. Sometimes the the art in um, Spider Gwen seems a little off, kind of. Yeah, it seems like a little... that's the best way I can describe it. But other than that, I love the art in it. Um, I love the way that the story takes place and like how the events unfold. But I don't know, man. Yeah. Something's got to go. Something's got to go. Something's got to go. <sighs> got to take something off the list. At least take one off. Something. You know my vote. Your vote is Thoris. Chris, your, yours is We Are Robin. Mm-hmm. Stan's tiebreaker up in here. Yeah, I'm, I'm deciding because I, unfortunately, I, I haven't really read We Are Robin. So, and I read Thor's and I, I did enjoy Thor's, but I feel like it kind of, it kind of got lost towards the end. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to take Thor's off the list. Sorry, Chris. Uh, I'm taking, I'm taking right. Thor. This, this is why I'm uh, taking Thor's off the list. I'm not. Okay, I I'm mean, not... I can agree. Like I, I, I mean, the story did stumble a bit. And for me, like the, the appeal of Thor's was more so that. Um, I mean, I do date the detective story, but I just love like the little nuances, how like just the little moments that just make it a really funny comic, like how the police badges equi- equivalent are the hammers or the tropes of like all father Odin's like the, the, the grizzled burnt out police commissioner. who's always like, you're like a loose cannon cop, ultimate Thor. I will have none of it. I'll have your hammer at the end of the day. And like, you know, the forensic expert is Throg and like these really weird, funny yeah. moments. But like if I'm only gonna go off of those that those tiny weird quirks, um, I mean I don't think that's gonna be enough, uh, in terms of like competing with like this the overall story. So I mean that that was just that was my personal takeaway. I just love like the wor- this the world it's set in more so than a story. And I could see it being a better book if they, like you said, made a story take place in that set time or like that set, um, I guess, I, I don't even know how to describe it, but that uh, that police force of Thor's going on, but have a stronger story and follow a better Thor. Mm-hmm. And plus, I, uh, another thing, I, mean, I, know, I know I'm arguing against myself again, but I just... I was disappointed that Jane Foster Thor didn't get enough. I mean, she was basically like the, the fridged victim for like most of the comic. And then she, she's always, she shows up at the end, but I think Jane Foster Thor is one of the most interesting Thors out there. And they, they didn't do enough with it. Or yeah, with her. And there's this whole scene where, you know, you know, the killer is going after people who the killer in Thor's is going after Jane Foster's and Donald Blake's who is Thor. And, 
and Thor and like Jane Foster. So there's never a moment where the killer tries to go after Jane Foster, Thor, you know, 616 Thor, or like try to track her down or, or whatever. And there's some reasons why that is, but it just, it just seemed like a missed moment for me. But, um, so we're robbing the spider Gwen. This is what we're down to. Um, now I feel like I'm not I'm not a good enough authority to argue against We Are Robin because I didn't read it, so I can't say that it's off the list. That's I can say my opinions on the individual uh, Robins themselves, but the actual story, and I could tell you why it never interests me to pick it up, but I just I can't say for certain that I want it off the list. I want Starter Gwen to win because I believe in it, but it's not up to me to decide. So I think. See, I I'm think... a bad judge of Spider Gwen because I haven't read any of it. I mean, I, I, what I know is from from your perspective, Stan. And I mean, my selling or my point to Rio Robin is that even though I haven't read all of it, I just love the concept of like a bunch of bunch of ragtag kids, you know, taking a Robin inspired by Bruce Wayne's sacrifice, and they're just taking the law into their own hands. But. And it's not even like them taking the law into their own hands as much as them taking on shit that like the law would not do anything against. Like in one issue, there was uh, bombs scattered throughout the city and none of the police force knew about it. But somehow Alfred had the tip and uh, Alfred told and led the Robins to to deactivate these bombs. There were like three bombs in the city that were going to destroy Gotham completely. And it's... It's things like that where like like I don't know they they kind of they kind of remind me as like a Batman in a Batmanless city because right now in We Are Robin uh Jim Gordon is Batman and let's face it Jim Gordon ain't taking the law in his own hands. No, he no, if he, anything he this Batman well. is subjugated by institution and bureaucracy because I mean, he, he's a police he, agent he had he there you know and and his mech suit gets like it's it's like watched yeah i mean don't get me wrong jim gordon does bend the law a little bit but he never like out outwardly like ignores the law or takes it into his own hands like he'll he'll for example shut down his suit and give batgirl enough time to get away but he won't actively like support her like, i'll 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 give a brief example. Um, in Robin War issue one, uh, there was a moment where Jim Gordon completely disagreed with um, arresting these Robins because he believes that they're helping the city. And the person in charge of him was like, well, I don't give a fuck what you think. I don't give a fuck what you say. You're arresting these kids. Now go. And Jim was like, all right, cool. Yeah. So, and, all right. <sighs> Andy, objectively, no personal bias towards Robin. Nothing. I want you to think of We Are Robin and Spider Gwen as two entities that have a set storytelling structure, a pace, art, uh, premise, etc., etc. Okay, Chris is not equipped well enough to argue against Spider Gwen, and I'm not well enough equipped to argue against We Are Robin. So, since you have read both of them. I want you to, to check your bias, at least for the moment. Okay, do your best to like not play favorites. And then look, compare them in your brain. The story of Spider-Gwen, the, sport, the story of We Are Robin. If you were never a fan of like particular like, so, so let's, fans. Hold so. on, let's, let's write this down real quick. So we're going to go 
story story pacing art premise like how effectively is the story told is it told in a succinct manner uh is the art arty enough for you and then uh is that it what, what am i missing so i'm gonna do a little checklist of okay what so, I think is so if you're you're listening at home and he's put out a grid he's got robin ward on one end spider Gwen on one on the other end he's got a line down the middle each category story pacing art premise right pretty much so let's go down one by one Spider-Gwen, Robin Warren, who's got the better story? So objectively. The better story objectively, probably. I'm definitely going with Spider-Gwen. Okay. Spider-Gwen got the better, consistent, nice story. It's uh pretty much the retelling of one of my favorite superheroes ever, just as Gwen Stacy, which is one of my favorite female roles ever. Actually, I'm sorry, I gotta I gotta you got another I gotta, category? I gotta call an I gotta call an audible because it might be this situation where you pick two for Spider Gwen and two for Robin War and then we're fucking stuck oh. where we are. So I'm gonna add this fifth exclusive fucking uh, category. Okay. Style. Who's got the most style? The two. The and most he's did it with the SSS. The most. Um, which one reaches the close? If this was like a Devil May Cry game, which one would have reached the the S rank faster? In terms of like cool moments, um, crazy situations, etc. So let's let's say that for the end. Pacing. All right. So pacing, I'm gonna have to give to Robin War. Spider Gwen's going a little too slow to like get into the story. Uh, Spider Gwen's on its seventh issue. If you're counting the seventh reboot, or eighth. If you're counting, if you're counting the reboot as, if you're not counting the the second volume. But if you're counting it, it's probably issue two or three of the new volume. Yeah. So, I don't know. Robin Wars only seven issues in, and it's like, well, issue seven just came out. I haven't had a chance to read it yet because we were prepping for this. But I feel like within the seven issues, I've learned more about all of these Robin than I have Spider Gwen and any of her villains and her universe in general. I agree. It does take a little, it's a bit of a slow burn. Yeah. So. Um, Which is not necessarily bad, but it, it might be not to your liking. So, it, you know, it is what it is. I mean, it's not that it's to my liking, but... We're still the, really early. I'm not going to die on this spider Gwen hill, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, I'm, like, <laughs> I'm definitely still following both. It's just Robin Wars' pace is a lot more bearable than Spider-Gwen. Um, do you think if you haven't... If you were never like a fan of the Robins before, if you picked this up from issue one, would you be lost? Definitely not. Okay. So art. Um, art again. I'm gonna have to go with Robin War. Wow. <laughs> the art is a lot more consistent. Okay. And, Wait, who does uh, the art? Um. Oh my god. Hold on. Need a need fact check myself before I fact check myself. <laughs> <laughs> Whip out those cell phones. Hey, I'll, I'll look it up. Oh, uh, Carrie Randolph. Okay. So Carrie Randolph is the uh, is the artist. I don't know, man. I like his art. His art is fucking awesome. And I also got a chance to meet him at Comic Con. And he also does the art for uh, Robin War, which is also really good. It's not dark. It's um, it's kind of. 
it's got this weird like dark cartoony mix it's like really really strange but it's really nice and i feel like for a for like a robin book it does justification for robin um and as we talked about spider gwen the art's not it's not always consistent yeah it's not that consistent and it's it has a very like neon quality to it to the way it looks I yeah feel. it's like the sky is like green I, sometimes and there's just like a lot of you know that's kind of it's how actually I would... now that i'm thinking about it it, it kind of almost fits the thematic idea that if you if you if you look at the new issues of spider gwen it's this radioactive spider gwen it feels like radioactive kind of that's just true the colors but it kind <laughs> of feels like uh like spider gwen was made to be drawn with highlighters yeah i agree which is, you know, occasionally hit or miss. But like, uh, we are Robin is able to, like, um, to make a dark, dark art style not so dark. Okay. So premise. All right. So elaborate on premise. Premise what? is um, the essentially the summary of what the book is about. So the premise for Spider Gwen is that it, Gwen Stacy gets bit by the spider instead of Peter, and everything is a little off. Uh, Robin Moore's premise is that, I don't know, they, they go get coffee and, like, they <laughs> fuck shit up. Right, Chris? That's that's the premise, right? No, it's... it's it's All these I'm not talk- disaffected I'm not views... About, I'm not talking about the Robin War premise. I'm talking about the actual definition of premise. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh. is, am, I, am I on point for premise? Premise. Okay. I, I guess more or less. That's yeah. Like a, that's like the most yeah. non-answer I've ever Premise. Heard. Yeah, premise. <laughs> just a smile and a shrug, and yeah. just re re say the word. Re say the word. <laughs> so, I feel like let's get the full definition. Of premise. <laughs> a previous statement or pre- proposition from which another is inferred or follows as a conclusion. No. So, the base <laughs> that's as a noun. Okay, the verb is based in argument theory or, or undertaking on. So what what both books are based on? This is based on the idea that What's Wednesday what's the core element or picture. what's the core message of the book? I'm an English major. Well, see. <laughs> <laughs> see, I feel like the premise also has to do with pacing. Not so necessarily, that, because the prem, the for example, the premise of Amazing Spider-Man, teenage kid who lost his parents, get bullied at school, gets the powers of a spider because he get bit, he got superpowers. Go. That's it. That's it's like the summary. You read, you read like the summary, of and like, that's pretty much the summary of Spider One. That's like you flip, so, you flip to the back, and that's what it says in the back of the book. So like if if that's what we're going at, then. I feel like Robin War would take that. Because, no, I mean we are it Robin. Take that. I feel like it would no, because it we've already we've already retold this. Like it's the retelling it's of different. Peter Parker. It's like slightly <laughs> it's, different. It's different. It's what if somebody else got bit? <laughs> it's like a what if saga in Dragon Ball Z. Like what if what Whatever, if you do it? What if Hercule? Got the earring instead of uh, Vegeta. You do it. <laughs> you do. You do. You. I'm gonna sit here. I'm gonna sit back. I'm not saying anymore. You do. You. 
Okay. I don't know, man. Like I said, I feel like the retelling of Spider-Man has been told. It's been told in Miles Morales. It's been told with fucking Peter Parker. It's been told with Spider-Gwen. It's been told with Ultimate Spider-Man. Okay, all right. I get your point. <laughs> like it's, it's the same. Robin War is something like, I mean, we are Robin. Came out of fucking left field okay, here. I'm, I'm going to conserve my energy for another topic. Robin War is like... It's like one of the logical paths to take what, with what would happen if Batman actually died. Well, actually, in quotation marks. And what, how would people would react to that new status quo. And for these youths, you know, who probably looked up to Batman in a positive way. And maybe some of them uh, empathize with Batman, whether he's being like a loner or they, maybe they always felt like an outcast or maybe like, you know, they they gravitated together and then they became this force for good. Okay. Yeah. I just want to add in if style were the, were the leading factor here, like the weighing factor, Spider-Gwen definitely takes that shit. All right. So at least we got the style. Spider-Gwen gets the style. Like style. Her pacing may be slow, but like the way they go about it, the way that Spider-Gwen Fights and interacts with villains and everybody. She got the most style. Okay. I'll, I accept it. So, comic of the year 2015, We Are Robin. Woo! Woo! Hoorah. That was, that was like 30 was minutes. I was it to be so, <laughs> so heated. All right. So, let's move on to another area of contention TV of the year. <laughs> Yeah, so let's just let's just go right on through, right on through. So TV of the year, we only have two nominees: Daredevil, Marvel's uh, Netflix TV show, and then Marvel's other Netflix TV show, <laughs> Jessica Jones, is the second nominee. So TV of the year down to Jessica Jones and Daredevil. I just wanna I just wanna preface this argument by saying that um, we did have other options. This is basically our master list. We we knocked off other options. We, you know, we talked things out. We did our pre- prelim talks, and so this is what we're left with: Daredevil, Jessica Jones. Someone please say something. <laughs> as a as a man with no knowledge of Jessica Jones, all right. And the reason the reason why there's two nominees because I was totally indecisive because I don't know. I couldn't. I at the time we had this conversation for creating the master list. I couldn't, I, could, I just couldn't. So here's the thing, Chris. I haven't seen Jessica Jones. You haven't seen Jessica Jones? And Stan oh, has barely that. seen Daredevil. I No. Well, let me check you right there. I saw six episodes of Daredevil. So not uh, You barely. saw half. I saw okay. enough to know that it doesn't interest me enough to keep watching. That doesn't mean I won't keep watching. And that doesn't mean that I don't like what I'm seeing. Just that it doesn't it doesn't capture my imagination as hard as Jessica Jones did. Just Jessica Jones grabbed me and didn't let go. Daredevil, I'm just like What was the last thing you remember watching? Because it's been a while since um It's been like <laughs> something. It's been a while since what? It's been like six months. <laughs> since what? Since you watched Daredevil. Yeah, it's oh, been no, a while I keep like I watch it. Like every time I, I, I eat dinner or whatever in my house, I'll like flip it on and watch it for like two minutes you're like uh, whatever turn it off 
Something See, about like two guys like in a warehouse complaining about to some dude in a suit about Fisk, and he's like, "You never say his name." And he's just like Fisk, and he's like, <gasps> "He said his name," and then he like looks at a painting or something at the end, and he's like, "I don't give a fuck." You know what the problem is? Is that I got I was so into the Mark Wade Daredevil comic that he doesn't do anymore. Like that whole like more upbeat, funnier kind of. Well, yeah, this Daredevil. is a darker. Yeah, this is darker Daredevil, and it just it just doesn't really. Yeah, well, before Jessica, Jessica Jones came along, like Daredevil was like the darkest entry into the Marvel cinematic, yeah. cinematic universe, and then Jessica Jones took it to a completely different plane. Thing with Daredevil is that I feel like there's already too much dark superhero stuff going on. You know, Arrow like stopped interesting me because it was so dark. And I'm, I don't know if it's still the same way, but that's why I couldn't keep watching Arrow. Then you have the Nolan Batman movies, which are also like super dark or whatever. And it's just like, I want more fun superhero stuff. And while Jessica Jones is arguably a lot darker than Daredevil is, it's different enough in the subject matter and the themes it deals with that it hooks me a lot more. And I'm more interested in seeing than just another male superhero doing his thing even though he's blind it's a little different but you know what i mean like i if it was closer to the mark wade um daredevil run i would be all over that shit like fucking white on race but it's not so it just it just completely loses me and like i said it doesn't mean i'm not gonna watch i'm not gonna enjoy it it's just not what i want from daredevil oh no man daredevil enticed me enough to make me like want to binge watch that shit and i remember we said that we were gonna we were going to watch it uh, once, one episode a week. And I wound up destroying that show in the week. And then I just didn't keep up <laughs> with that. So. <laughs> I, You know, like, Daredevil, as far as I know, is supposed to be dark. Like, he, he's, like, kind of very noir, and, like, his early stories are very dark. And but I didn't read that Daredevil. My first experience with Daredevil comics was the Mark Wade run, and I really love that run because it's it's got a lot of action, it's got humor, it's got you know, it's it's just it's really cool. And I, if you're listening, I highly recommend you read the Mark Wade run. That kind of the way that you're explaining that kind of reminds me like if you've grown up with Spider Man, like the original Spider Man, Amazing Spider Man comics, and then you saw the Tobey Maguire movies. Yeah, because so he was like he's kind of like not as witty and it's kind of like not quippy at it's all. It's just very different. Yeah. It's too different. And like that's I I'm not saying that that's wrong, you know, as cuz we already know that Daredevil's roots are very dark. You know, he doesn't die, he doesn't dye his hair a lot. His roots are dark. <laughs> Get it? Get it? Okay. So, but I just it just doesn't click with me. And I told you why I like Jessica Jones. Well, Chris You've, you're the only one of us that's seen both of these series fully through. With Jessica Jones, part of its wide appeal, it it just, like Stan mentioned, it goes into territory that most other TV shows, let alone like let alone Marvel stuff, but just TV in general, it goes into stuff that it doesn't cover, and it does it in a really tasteful, elegant manner. So I mean, it I mean. There's like really heavy topics of like sexual abuse and addiction and stalking and abortion. I mean, it doesn't glorify it. It doesn't go overboard with it. Whereas like the equivalent of like torture porn, but like it just it strikes this nice balance. 
how it's written, it's just really empowering. And I felt you don't you don't really get that with Daredevil. Daredevil more than Jessica Jones is like a more like a noir story. Jessica Jones at his core, it's a, it's a it's a survivor story as opposed to as opposed to Daredevil. It's a it's a classic detective uh, who done it um, street level drama. I just like that word. Who done it? <laughs> you done it? Who done it? Andy, you done it? Who no. done it? No. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. And I think I, I think like the 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 reason why the it's so hard to decide is because I feel like different people go into these shows or or, or try to do these shows for different reasons. So with Daredevil, it focuses a lot more on like gritty action and marsh and like even with Frank Miller's ninja stuff. So with the stuff with the hand and stick, and I mean there is action in Jessica Jones, but. It's never the focus point. I mean, with I mean for Daredevil. I mean, one of the greatest scenes was like in episode two, where it's like a two minute long, no cuts, one shot fight scene in that hallway. And when you see that, it's like you're like, oh my god, this is amazing. And um, I mean, you don't get that those kinds of moments as much in Jessica Jones. But I feel with Jessica Jones, they're more judicious and careful with the action to really sell it home so like for example like one scene that i could cite where it is an action scene and it really the, the emotional impact was amazing was when trish walker pops that red pill and she kicks simpson's ass that was amazing not only because it was a great choreography but it fulfilled a narrative emotional arc where trish throughout the entire episode was trying to not become a victim herself so you see her covered in bruises from training in Krav Maga. And I kind of just walked myself into a tangent. I'm not sure where I was going Chris, with Chris, but. here's what I want you to do. <laughs> um, you, got, you got a pen and a piece of paper with you? <laughs> Alright, All right, I got my notepad. Right? Daredevil, Jessica Jones, line down the middle, grid-based, five spots, story, pacing, can't do art. You can't do art because it's visual. Art. You could do you could right. do like cinematography. Cinematography, yeah. Premise and style. Okay, so uh, the story for Daredevil is like it's like the Batman Begins of Daredevil. Like it's him starting out and he's inexperienced and he's learning how to take on crime. And balancing his life and the people around him. So, and like, so Jessica um, Jones? And what's Jessica Jones like? And Jessica Jones, it's a survival story with mixed with a bit of noir. But at its core, it's like a story of like how to like, of self-recovery and how to overcome your own demons. And I feel I feel like you always see there, there's plenty of like crime shows about like punchy punchy taking on the mob, but you don't really see anything about you know how to how to overcome PTSD or how to overcome your personal tormentor. And I feel like that in terms of novelty and ex- execution, so Jessica Jones point gets Jessica it for Jones story. for story. So yeah, so for pacing, I felt like. Daredevil was more 
consistent because like in Jessica Jones there are periods of where it seemed like we don't we don't for for like a sizable amount of time we have no idea what Luke Cage is up to we don't have no idea what the purple man's up to that's true Luke Cage just disappears for episodes at a time which was one of my detractors for Jessica Jones overall yeah exactly like he shows up like the first episode or two when Jessica is like stalking her or stalking him take, taking photos and then we don't we don't hear from anything and then he shows up in the like now, the third the act of the season Th- this would be completely redeemed if Luke Cage comes out and fills in those blanks like Pulp Fiction style. Like if it crisscrosses the Jessica Jones timeline and fills in all that shit and explains it to you, it will completely redeem just that, so, that one point. But it hasn't done it yet, so it's still a detractor. Because Luke Cage is getting his own Netflix series. That's what I was going to bring up. Yeah. So like, I'm just going to say that. Like, what if the Luke Cage series fills in that? Gap. That would be so fucking awesome, and that's a good idea, and I hope they do that. But for purposes of this argument, you can't use that because it hasn't happened. So it's still a detractor. So are you awarding the point to Daredevil? Yeah, I'm awarding pacing to Cinematography. Daredevil. Cinematography. Cinematography. Um, which looked the prettiest? <laughs> which looked the prettiest? I, I don't know. I, I don't know if this counts with cinematography, but. I kind of, I kind of thought like Matt, like I love Matt's new costume, except the the something wrong about the face. Yeah, it looks a little. It off. looks really weird to me. Like the the the, the 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 new cowl, it looks off. I can't explain it, but like when you see promo pictures of him in the in the the new red suit, something about it just He's kinda doesn't got, like, look some, like, right. Buggy eyes going on. Yeah, but I love the I love the men in black costume. Now it's simple, it's effective, and it's like it's great for cosplay. I, I can't tell you how many cos uh, men in black Daredevil costumes I've seen this year, and it's really cool. I always go for a good Matt Murdock cosplay. Just somebody in a suit with glasses and a, and a walking mm-hmm. stick. Kind of see what you mean. Um, you know, what he kind of reminds me of now looking at it, like a Beetleborg. Like that's exactly what he he looks like. He's straight out of Beetleborgs. The good thing is, is that he doesn't have to have a static costume. All all the heroes iterate on their costumes throughout the Marvel U. You know, the cinematic universe. It's a new costume every time you see him. Well, that's true. So that might not be the final Daredevil suit. And also, like I don't know, I'm used to seeing Daredevil with the red eyes, and like this has his eyes blacked out. Maybe that's why it's off. So that's, yeah, it kind of, actually, it kind of looks like he did the, uh, the like, Batman eyeliner, but but he straight up just closes, keeps his eyes closed. To detract from, like, Jessica Jones, there was some shots where, like, she jumped, like, she jumped up, like, 50 feet. I don't know, like, it's some of it, like, in those scenes where she, she like, crouches and jumps off vertically, out of the, out of the frame, it looked kind of funny to me too. And then they do this thing in Jessica Jones where it almost looks like a fisheye camera, or it looks like one of those cameras that makes everything look smaller, like you're looking at it from an airplane. You know what I'm talking about? Like sometimes yeah. it'll show a, a building and then it'll look a little blurry or whatever. And I feel like they completely abandoned that like halfway through the series. Like I, f- I feel like it just shows up in the first few episodes and then it's gone. And then it's just like, well, why did you have that in the first place? But then like I don't nothing. Yeah. 
nothing insane about Daredevil's um, cinematography jumped out at me. Either. The only the only thing that jumps out at me when we're talking about Daredevil cinematography is that hallway that fight. fucking hallway scene. Honestly, the hallway fight. Yeah, yeah, like the one. Okay, you know, I, I just for that, I'm gonna give it give Daredevil cinematography because um, I was reading up oh, into yeah, the backstory I, of like how many too. takes it took. Yeah. Like that's incredible, and like just to, like, just, you have to realize how many machines and how on point and how many dimensions are going on at the same time to perfectly execute. Also, that shot. seeing Matt Murdock like tired and like fighting people, not only was that like a part of what the scene was, but that's like legit how the actor was feeling while while shooting that scene. Like it was exhausting, and I mean, what did he fight? Like twenty people. At least, <laughs> I know. I, I know he did some of the fighting, and they also switched with a double for at least like ten, twenty seconds. But like, it was mostly him during the fight scene. So just for that, I'm gonna give Daredevil cinematography. Premise: uh, I like I like Jessica Jones. It deals with um, a burnt out Jessica who's post Avengers, and the only way she feels like she can help people and redeem herself is to help other people with a PI job. And then you have Kilgrave, the purple man, the most diabolical is, villain ever. More so, I, I think it's hands down a better villain than Wilson Fisk. Jessica Jones take place after the first Avengers movie or the second? It takes place after the first Avengers movie before the second one, I think. And then after the daredevil season, okay. so that's where it falls. Okay. Yeah. And like Kilgrave, you know, he's just, uh, he's not out for world domination or world destruction. He's just, he's singularly focused on torturing Jessica, this one person, because she slighted him before. And then he was going to do everything in his power to hurt the innocent people around her just to get to her. And just, that's like a whole another it's degree like, of he's villainy. Like the right ultimate there. nice guy, quote unquote. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm the nice, I'm I'm being so nice to you. Why don't you love me? Because you're a fucking creep. That's why. I don't know what what my point was, but I also like the fact that she's a straight up like PI. Like I really like that that she's just a fucking detective. She's got a she she sometimes has her name on the door. I just I just like <laughs> the idea of her being a straight up PI, and not necessarily a superhero. I think that's cool. Because everyone's like everyone's either a hero. Or an agent, or an Inhuman. So you're either an Agent Hydra, an Agent Shield. Maybe maybe you're a superhero. Maybe you're an Avenger. Maybe you're an Inhuman. Maybe Jessica's the closest you get to a civilian. Maybe you're a Hulk. Maybe you're a Hulk secretary. Like she's. This is probably the only the only Marvel live action media where it's not from the perspective of a straight up superhero or someone working for a larger organization, which is interesting. Now, I guess that means it's going to come down to style. Who's got the more style. I think daredevil in terms of like fight scenes. Oh, wait, stay away. Why the, well, uh, what, what what do you think? I, I think the style tie, ties into the, the fact that she's a PI. I just like the idea of her running around 
solving crimes or missing persons or whatever the hell and like the only thing I like more than yeah. that is her like, running around know. solving crimes with Luke Cage and, I don't know I just they, they, they make a great team yeah I don't know there's the, dare, the daredevil fucking hallway scene just keeps sticking out of me you know like when I think of style I just like I don't See, know man I, though, though I do <clears> think when I think of daredevil it, it feels very dark to me but then when you see Jessica Jones, it's like it feels like a mix. You know, there's like dark, and then you have light, and then you have all the purple from Kilgrave, and then it just seems like when when I think of style for Daredevil, the thing that sticks out to me is like Daredevil versus versus Fisk in the very end, and that like that scene was fucking amazing. Don't go too deep into it. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> okay. I just I just wanted to throw that out there because Chris. Chris knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> if anyone's watched Daredevil, they know what I'm talking about. So are you awarding the style point to Daredevil, Chris? Okay. Yeah, I oh, think so. There you go. Three. Yeah. Daredevil, yeah, three. So Daredevil. Jones, two. Again, I want to keep reiterating this, but that doesn't mean Jessica Jones is a bad show. Jessica Jones is my personal show of the year. It's one of my top shows like in recent memory. I also want to preface how difficult it was, like, during our our, our prelim session, like, how much I struggled between the two. Like, I, like I said before, the winner, these are these are both winners, but, like, in this show, there could only be one. Thunderdome, so. man, that's how it goes. Speaking Thunderdome. of Thunderdome, movie of the year, 2015, moving right along. Movie of the year. Daredevil. I'm calling it Mad Max Fury Road. Chris just jumped the gun. He's so excited. Listen. (laughs) Didn't even let me read the nomination. Listen, I'm just going to say my nomination (laughs) and then we can just say the winner because obviously I get outranked here. (laughs) You're not even going to put up an argument? I'm not even going to put up an argument. All right. Well, let me just wait. Let me just let me wrangle it in. Let me let me get some order in the court. All right. Our two nominees for movie of the year is Mad Max for Fury Road and Ant-Man. I didn't see Ant-Man. I plan to see Ant-Man. I'm sure it's a great movie, but I haven't seen it yet. Mad Max, on the other hand, is fucking crazy. Let, let me just talk about Ant-Man real quick. All right. Ant-Man's one of my favorite superheroes. Paul Rudd is one of my favorite actors. This movie combines the two and is just like fucking amazing. It's like my love for Jim Carrey and the Riddler when I discovered that uh, fucking Batman Forever was a thing. I don't know. It just combines my love for the two. And Ant-Man was a great movie. Uh, I don't know. He reminds me a lot of like Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man. He's very uh, shit talky. Yeah, Paul Rudd. He was extremely charming in that movie, and the movie, the movie totally was a lot like Guardians of the Galaxy. It was just like a really fun, enjoyable, you know. Yeah, best. and much like Guardians of the Galaxy, no one really knows who Ant Man is. That's well, true. Like, and the fact that he had to kind of the Ant Man movie had to go up against Fantastic Four, which we'll get into later. Um, <laughs> oh, we'll get. <laughs> um, I feel that everyone since Fantastic Four already had an established base with the first two shitty movies. That they were like, oh well, you know, we kind of know what Fantastic Four is about. We kind of know who Doom is. We kind of know who these people are. Ant Man was just like, I don't fucking know who Ant Man is. This is some bullshit hero they're trying to make money off of. 
But no, Ant-Man's like a legitimate member of the Avengers. He's the whole fucking reason for Age of Ultron post this movie or like pre this movie. And I don't know, fucking Ant-Man's the shit. I found it really funny with like with um all the, all the press when Ant-Man came out. They were making such a big deal, like, oh my god, Ant-Man is Marvel's failure. It's the chick in the armor. And it still did really well in the box office. I don't know what the hell they're talking about. So. Chris, lay down your Mad Max argument. <laughs> Just lay it right on down. Okay. All right. So, one, this movie shouldn't have happened. <laughs> like, and I, I mean that in the way, like, there's been so many obstacles that got in the way of this movie from being made. Like, it defied so many conventions and odds. One, George Miller had to fight for Furiosa to be as prominent as a role as she was in the movie. Two, he had to fight a lot to get away. Like, he wanted mostly practical effects. He wanted to film it in the middle of Western Australia. And then he had to move it to Africa. And then... He had to go through the WB studios who are very, you know, there are so many gatekeepers. Three, I mean, like, for example, like, uh, for a while, George Miller didn't want to make a Mad Max movie. Um, but then he just had this idea on his head. It was like, oh, wait, what if I had a story about a bunch of, excuse the term, like sex slaves escaping uh, a warlord and Max has to help them. But out of that, he's like, he, he was like, no, you know, that doesn't make sense. Why do I make a female character? And then thus was born, you know, Furiosa, which we'll also argue later is one of the best characters ever. Furthermore, the world building of Fury Road is just an instant classic. It showcases like in a like an extrapolated a post-apocalyptic flavor of what violent patriarchy looks like so we have immortan joe who's this crazy tyrant and the entire system of you know of the citadel and the war boys and slavery and sex slaves and 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 literally making women just commodities by like by turning them to breeders and milkers you know it turns it all around by making mad max not only just like classic australian exploitation car massacre movie but like a story about how violent patriarchy is unhealthy and how to subvert that system and 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 how to move forward as a society and like the like and then like uh, back to world building i mean now everywhere you can see war boy cosplays everywhere and and all you have to say is like witness or mediocre Mediocre. and people will will get it and will know it and it's become this cult of its own Oh, okay, I'm sorry. I want to get. I want, I want to let you guys get a word in because I can go on. I on just, the, I just want to mention one hours. thing that uh, that Mad Max has that Ant Man doesn't, and it's my giant love for the motherfucker playing the guitar on that <laughs> fucking badass vehicle. Yeah, the Doof Warrior flamethrower yeah, guitars, man. Stop. Fl- <laughs> that motherfucker <laughs> takes the cake by himself. I know. 
Fury Road has nothing but style. Furiosa oh is the fucking boss, and that's my review of Mad Max. <laughs> Furiosa and, is the fucking And boss. Tom Hardy has a thing for restraining faces. Yeah, he loves masks. Brother. <laughs> Never mind, I was going to go off on a tangent, but... Darkness. All right, so... Mad Max. And, oh, and also, Mad Max inspired a bunch of memes on S&P, so, like, the Amiibo, the Amiibo Citadel meme, or, like, Zillafall, or, like, Ghost Rider. Yeah, like, I can't even... Mad Max for me. Chris? Mad Max for you? Mad Max. I ain't even arguing. All right. You, you're, mean, not, you're not going right. to on that hill? I mean, that Amiibo, I that, that Amiibo, uh... Forgot about that Amiibo meme. We still need to do this. I don't right, care guys. if the Amiibo purge is over. to do it. All right, guys. I'm calling it. Movie of the Year 2015 Super Nerd Awards goes to Mad Max Fury Road. All right, guys. And with that, we have five categories down, five winners. And we're gonna. what we're going to do is we're going to end it here today. And then we're going to come back tomorrow with part two of the Super Nerd Awards. And we're going to do Best New Character, Best Old Game, the Hot Mess Award, and the big one, Game of the Year. So let me just recap what we did today. We covered Best Moment 2015, which was the opening sequence in Metal Gear Solid Five, The Phantom Pain. Best Anime of the Year, which is One Punch Man. No contest. Movie of the Year, Mad Max Fury Road. TV of the Year, Daredevil. And Comic of the Year, We Are Robin. I'm Stan Gadursky. You can find me on Twitter at Stan Doom. This dude on the left to me, uh, Andy Karaskul. You can find him at Sweet Justice One. O-N-E. O-N-E. Chris Samson, where can we find you on Twitter? Sorry, I did did, did it for you. It's cool. (laughs) Chris, where do we find you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at Kyo Ninja for Hire. That's K-Y-O. Ninja for and you can hire. find the show on Twitter at Super Nerd Pals. We have a Gmail, same shit. Send us an email, send us a tweet. You can get on our uh, groups on Facebook, facebook.com slash group slash Super Nerd Pals. That's a thing. It's very active. We're always putting shit in there. Sometimes it's funny. Sometimes it's kind of makes, makes us a little angry. Sometimes there's <laughs> some good news. Sometimes there's good news. <laughs> and you get all our announcements of all, all our shows, etc. Um a little behind the scenes stuff too. We have an Instagram too. It's the same thing. Supernerdpals.com. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't want to like bother them with all this stuff. You know, there's so much stuff going on. We got mad shit. Just talk. So much stuff. Supernerdpals. Google it. You'll find all the shit. Right. Supernerdpals.com. <laughs> that's also a thing. Guys, if you're listening, you like what you hear. Please go to iTunes. Subscribe. Give us a good rating. Give us five stars. That helps people find this easier when they search for nerd stuff. And um, write us a review if you, if you feel so inclined. We would appreciate it. I mean, we write in all these reviews. You might as well just write us one. Yeah, what do you think about our reviews? Let us know. Um, yeah, you can also catch us on SoundCloud and Stitcher. And that was day one. Catch us tomorrow for day two. Thanks, guys, for listening. Peace. No, no goodbye, Andy. Later. Okay. Okay. <laughs>